Nobody can remember what it is that our God loves us so much for, and He consistently, consistently forgives us and offers us His grace. I'll turn over. So, speaker. Grace, grace. It's God's grace um, that makes it all possible for us to be here, for us to be enjoying each other, for us to be part of this uh, great, amazing, somewhat unchosen family, right? We don't always get to pick who's in our family, and that's what we talked about last week. And um, I love big families. I think big families are great. Uh, the bigger the family, the better. Um, I didn't always think that way. Um, there was a point in time when, when uh, Carol came in and said, we are pregnant. What? What? We were done having kids. We were ready to move on. We were like, oh. Nope. God said it was time for us to start another little one's existence. So it's been amazing. It's been fun, and uh, obviously the the large family has uh, presented challenges. It also presents the opportunity for a minivan because you can't get six of us in a two door sedan or a four door sedan for that matter. And so we end up with a minivan. Carol got to ride in the back of the minivan yesterday, and man, it's way back here. Sit back here, like whoa, it's way back here. And uh, so it was kind of funny. There's lots of things that go on in the back of a minivan. Yeah. Some of those things are great. Some of them not so great. You can always tell when Kathleen decides to take off her shoes. And she needs more room and she wants to spread out. And that's when all war starts in the back seat. It's pretty hilarious. But it happens. And what's funny is that Cameron and Colton get along pretty well. And, um, and Colton and Castle get along pretty well. And Castle and Corbin get along pretty well. But, and, and the gap, the bigger the gap, the easier they have, the easier, you know, the easier it is to get along. So, so Cameron gets along really well with Castle and, and Castle gets really along really well with Cameron. And Colton and Corbin get along pretty well. But when they're... The close ones, the ones that are close together, like Castle and Corbin just don't work very well. If Castle tries to help Corbin do anything, it's just just scream for no apparent reason. Just you know, she touches him, it's just that happens. This morning we're going to talk about family feuds. There's many times that. Within a family, things break out and war breaks out, right? Um, there's times when people will irritate you. People will frustrate you. People will offend you. It could be within your family. It could be your immediate family. It could be your in-laws. It could be, it could be in, within the church family. Right? There's always going to be somebody that you don't always see eye to eye with. This morning, I want you to think. I want you to think of the name of that person. Think of that person that just irritates the living daylights out of you. 
that has caused you grief. Maybe it's just little nitpicky stuff. But maybe it's major sin. They have sinned against you. They have hurt you in the deepest way possible. It could be, it could be anything from sexual molestation to, to adultery to... It doesn't matter what it is. It could, it, the, the hurt often is endless. We can go on and on about the stories of how other people have hurt us and how other people have offended us. I want you to think of that name, of that person that has caused you pain, that has caused you hurt, that has offended you. I don't want you to think about their face because we don't want anyone angry this morning. Just think of their name. That one that ticks you off, that one that's hurt you. I don't want you to say their name out loud. But I want you to be thinking about that person as we go through the message this morning. Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to begin. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 15. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. The verses will not be on the screen this morning. None of them will be on the screen. You will see the reference if you can read it because it's really small and it's really a busy background. The reference will be there, but it's, the verses will not be on the screen. I want you to get into your Bibles this morning. And I want you to get real comfortable with the app that you're using. Or maybe it's a, still a uh, hard copy, a hard Bible that actually has pages in it. I want you to get familiar with it and comfortable with it this morning. Um, if you're able to highlight and underline and do those kinds of things, I, I highly recommend that. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Look at it with me. Before we do that, let's look to God in more prayer. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. I pray that you, as, as we look through uh, some of these verses and some of these passages of Scripture, that we'll be able to apply them to our lives. And this, this family feud, this whole forgiveness and offense and all of this stuff that can just come out. And God, help us to be open-hearted and, and open-minded and soft-hearted to this, this whole concept. God, I pray that you'll bless us this morning as we look through these things. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Look at how he starts. Jesus is talking. He's communicating with some, some folks. He says, if another believer sins against you. This is not talking about someone accidentally stuck their foot out in your kid trip. This is talking about something... It could be as simple as that, but it could be something a lot more major. Okay? They have sinned against you. There's a process here. We don't, uh, we don't, if you've got an issue with another person, if you've got something that's on your mind, if you've thought of that person, there's obviously an opportunity for gossip here, right? There's obviously an opportunity to just, oh, let's just go tell everybody else about it, and then we'll see how it works out. I've heard this many times. We hear it said, well, I just, I just, I just want to vent. Do you mind if I vent? 
venting, let me translate. Gossip. Oftentimes when we say vent, venting is the 21st century version of a 1st century gossip. Just because it's called something else doesn't necessarily mean it's different. Look at it. Verse 15 there. Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you've won that person back. Praise God, right? Doesn't always work that way. But if, if one of you are, uh, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. Find some wisdom, gather them around you, and, and take them with you. Say that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take the case before the church. And if, if he or she wouldn't accept, won't accept the church, church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. So you see, if, if you come across someone that's just not willing to come clean, not willing to, to make things right, what has God asked us to do? Well, go to them privately, take a couple with you, present, present them before the church, and if that person still, you know what, we just need to turn and walk away. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Look at verse 18. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as followers, as my followers, I am there among them. This verse 20, we take it out of context very often. We've tried to, we've tried to use it to, you know, to get away from, you know, get out of missing church. and Like, oh yeah, well, there was two or three of us together, so it was church. Well, it's kind of out of context. <clears throat> when tied with the passages and put into context, we see that it's different. When two or three agree on an issue, that, uh, and that God is there and He's with you on your decision. <clears throat> If you decide to throw in the towel and walk away, he's in on that. He's good with that. But look at, look at the qualifier. Look there in verse 20. If it's what? In his name. As followers of Jesus, some translations say. There may be times when as a group we come to the conclusion that we've done all that we can do. We simply walk away. <clears throat> When I talk, start talking about this stuff, when I, I start thinking about it, I immediately get very defensive. And I get defensive very quickly. And I can think of a lot of reasons real fast that, I don't, that, that that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. That they don't deserve uh, anything but my hatred and my rage and my resentment and my bitterness. I don't know about you, but that's where I go pretty quickly. It's like, you know what? No. They don't deserve it. We need a story. But before we go there, it's deal with it or drop it is basically God's ideas and the way God presents it. And here's the motivation why we either need to deal with it or drop it. The Bible tells us multiple times to just, to just suck it up and get over it. Life's too short. Hell's too hot. And I'm just going to have to get over it, right? But here's the motivation why. We either need to deal with it or drop it. Number one, because God says so. 
It's a pretty easy one. We shouldn't really need any more than this one. Uh, God says so. That's why we should either deal with it or drop it. I have to be honest. <clears throat> There's been times when I've raised my voice and stared them down through the rearview mirror. Keep your hands to yourself. I've said it. <clears throat> Sometimes it doesn't work. Two miles later, somebody takes a sucker punch when the other is least expecting it. <laughs> Dad's not looking. Watch this. And they're giggling up here in the front row. They didn't think I knew. I don't know what went through their head. Maybe it was just, Dad, your vengeance isn't enough. I have to have some right here and now. As a follower of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, forgiveness is not an option. It's a command. This is the way a follower of Christ operates. We don't take a sucker punch when dad's not looking. There's been times in my Christian life, though, that I have thought that forgiveness is more along the lines of extra credit. How many of you were extra credit kids in school? Anybody? I don't get you. I don't understand you. It's like, why would anybody go out of their way to do extra work for something? I, I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway... Sometimes we think of forgiveness as just that. Well, it's just an extra credit. If you want an extra star in your crown when you get to heaven, then you go ahead and forgive your, your, your brother or your sister. No, that's not what God's saying here. I hope you're thinking of that person, that name, that situation. This is what God is asking us to do. I know, I know it makes me uneasy too. It doesn't make me comfortable. I would much rather hold on to it and in just the right opportunity, take my own vengeance. So one motivation, because God says so. Number two, it's, it's hurting me more than it's hurting them. Not just for the sake of following God, but for the sake of, you know what? You're the victim in this situation. If you hold on to it, you end up in, in being the one that's the victim. For your sake, get rid of it. For the sake of high blood pressure. For the sake of bad health. For the sake of misery. For the lack of, of, of joy and happiness. For the sake of peace. Let me show you what I mean. <laughs> hey mom, I'm home. This was my laundry bag when I was in college. But it also worked really well. For holding these. It's a brick. It's a yellow brick. So now we're not going to make a yellow brick road. This brick represents the hurt, the pain, the frustration that I feel for that person that hurt me. And I'm going to hold on to this brick. And at just the right moment, when we're having a conversation with the family or we're, we're doing something else and the subject comes up, I am going to unleash and I am going to throw my brick at that person. The problem is the brick never really seems to, to leave my hand. It stays there. And I can unleash, but what ends up and happens usually is I end up with another one. Because in that altercation, they do something else that sort of just mm, grates on me even just a little bit more. 
and I hold on to another one. And now I'm just, just waiting for that great opportunity once again to unleash and to show some vengeance. And then at just the right moment, when I think they're vulnerable, I begin trying to throw my bricks again. But as you can see, they, they don't ever really leave my hand. The vengeance still stays with me. The bitterness, the hatred, the frustration still is here. It doesn't go anywhere. And before long, you just start building up. You know, the last time we were with them, they said something about my kids. And you know what else? It's like, it's really frustrating when they just keep agging me on. This is just because I'm having a bad day today. Because there's a little bit of jealousy within my heart too because of what's going on in their life. God blessed them and he didn't bless me. Before we know it, we've got this whole pile of bricks that we're holding on to and this whole pile of things that we're holding on to. Not for just one person, but for just about everybody that we come in contact with. And it only takes a slight infraction before we just explode and attempt to bring vengeance. And as if that's not enough, we have storage for our bricks. And instead of just carrying them, we start slinging them on. And we start walking around with all this weight. With all the hurt and all the pain and all the frustration that everyone else has put on our plate. Someone's hurt me. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm holding on to this for some that, that one perfect day when I can unleash. Who's it hurting? Is it hurting them? It's not. It's hurting you. It's hurting me. When I hold on to these things, it's hurting me. It's keeping me from seeing any blessing that God wants to give. I can't even see past my pile of bricks. I can't see past the walls that I've built around myself. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no kindness. There's no love. There's no happiness in my life. Because I've got to hold on to all this. Second motivation. Is we're allowing others to hinder us. When we hold on. To the things that we should just forgive the scripture starts out by identifying someone who has legitimately hurt us it's not just ticky tack stuff it's something that really means a lot and it's hard to let go of it but second motivation we got to realize it's hurting us more than it's hurting them Third, we've got to forgive because forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean, and there's motivation behind this, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean forgetting. I can't forget what they did. How am I supposed to just not remember what they did, that hurt, that frustration? Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where I'm supposed to forget about it, 
Well, doesn't the Bible say something about God forgets all of our sins? Yeah, the scripture is in Isaiah, and it's 43, verse 25, if you want to write it down. It says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my sake and will never think of them again. What's he really saying? Do you really think that an uh, omniscient God that, can, that knows everything can just one day forget everything that you've ever done? That's impossible. Whoops, slipped my mind. Do you really think God has, what do they call those? Mental slips and, I don't think so. What he's saying here is that God has chosen to overlook those things. He has chosen to overlook them. He's no longer going to pursue justice in the matter. That was all paid on the cross. That was all gotten rid of. To forgive someone, we often must, must put that painful memory out of our mind. We don't actually forget the sin. And it's, it's not that we're unable to recall the offense, but we choose to overlook it. Forgiveness prevents us from dwelling on past troubles. We choose to give mercy, just like God did. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Fourth motivation, it makes our relationship with God better. Forgiveness impacts our relationship with God. You can't, you can't read about forgiveness in this book without realizing that it's tied to your relationship with God. As a parent, you get this. <laughs> it happens in our van all the time. It gets crazy in that back seat, I'm telling you. Knock it off. And I hear the, the very next words. What, what's the next words that comes out of their mouth? Well, well they started it. They, they threw the first brick. I don't know that I really care who started it. I mean, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I know they don't deserve what you just did back to them. And I, uh, they, don't, they didn't earn your, uh, your grace necessarily. They really do deserve a, a knuckle sandwich. That's probably what they deserve. But here's the deal. You are the mature one. You're the big sister. You're the big brother. You have to let it go. Or I'm going to drive this van right off this cliff. Yeah, but dad, he, he, he wiped a booger on me. Yeah, well, that's what two-year-olds do. What are you supposed to do when, when they do something that they're not supposed to do? I, I'm supposed to come and, and tell you. Yep. I expect more out of you. You should be the mature one. It's exactly the same thing with God and us. He says, you're the mature one here. You're the big sister here. You're the big brother. Yeah, but, but he wiped the booger on me. God says, you know what? That's what two-year-olds do. We can't expect young Christians. We can't expect old Christians. We can't expect non-believers 
to not do what non-believers do. We can't expect that. There's the motivation. Now watch what happens. Turn back in your, I mean, look back at Matthew 18. Look at what happens. Peter speaks up. I love Peter. I love the fact that Jesus lets Peter speak up. Because Jesus could probably shut him down. And he does a few times. But look what happens. Peter speaks up. Up to this point. Peter's basically saying up to this point. I've done my best to forgive. And, and all throughout Old Testament we see that in, in the book of Amos where it's, it's God's patient with us about three times, right? So all of the Jewish law and all of the Jewish thoughts and ideas were, well, three times was good enough. So Peter ups it. He's like, well, up to what point do I need to forgive? And he says, well, let's double that three and see what happens. And then let's just add one extra for, you know, good measure. Because seven's a good Bible number, right? Peter says, seven times, Lord? Should I forgive them seven times? Look at what the scripture says. Not seven times, but some of them say 77 times, and other ones say 70 times seven. So, are, are we going to keep track and we're going to have tally marks up to 75? No, just wait for that and two more and you're going to get it. No. What's Jesus' point? It's endless. Literally, you never keep track. I hate this verse. I don't like it at all. Look at verse 21. Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So, Jesus breaks into what? He breaks into a story. Therefore, and you know good and well that disciples, the other apostles are like, oh great, here he goes again. This one is probably going to hurt. This one's probably going to not feel very good when it hits. Look where he goes. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared. Wait a sec. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be prepared or be compared. Highlight, mm -hmm. underline, do whatever you got to do in your Bible. The kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Anywhere that God dwells, anywhere that God is in power, anywhere God is in control, that's the kingdom, right? In this particular case, today, it's the Lord's church. The kingdom of heaven is like, or can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in, brought to him, and brought him, brought him in, and he owed him millions of dollars. Some translations say, uh, what is it, 10,000 10, talents? Any of your translations say 10,000? Okay, so 10,000 talents. The man owed 10,000 talents. Some translations calculate it and say millions. Bottom line, it was an outrageous amount. 
no servant could owe that much. It was completely impossible. Some say a hundred million, some say up to a billion dollars. But listen to me, check this out. Josephus, one of the uh, writers that wrote in the first century, one of the historical writers that wrote in it very, very early on, said that this, the tax revenue for the entire region that they were in, Judea, Samaria, there's four or five others in that region, the tax revenue for that whole reason, region for an entire year was 800 talents. This guy owed 10,000 talents. Is it possible that a servant could owe 10,000 talents? No. So you know the crowd. You know the disciples are over there chuckling. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, check this out. Messiah's got a good one today. He is telling us a, a doozy. The tax revenue was 800 talents, and this guy owes 10 times. 10 times the national debt. I don't even know if there's calculators that could figure that. What would happen if you owed 10 times the national debt? What would that feel like? What would the weight of that feel like? That'd be crazy. 10 times the national debt. Okay, where were we? Uh, let's see. 25. He couldn't pay it. Well, duh. Couldn't pay it. Verse 25. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. How much was a slave going for in these days? A good, a good slave, a good, healthy, good quality slave was somewhere around a talent. One talent. So was, it gonna, was he ever going to get out? Was he ever going to be able to pay it all? No. It was a life sentence. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Yeah, right. <laughs> How would this guy ever really pay it? It would be completely impossible. There's no way that this guy could pay this, this debt. Be patient with me? How long would that take? <laughs> Hundreds of years? You'd have to have 10,000 uh, family members, right? That he could sell to the... No, it's not going to happen. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But, don't you hate the butts in your life? No, 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 not, not with two T's, with just one. I'm not thinking of the person you're thinking of. We're talking about the but when, when Jesus says, but when the man. Look what happens. Verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. You notice the posture is exactly the same as what just happened previously. And the words are word for word. Be patient with me and I will pay it. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called, some, called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant 
just as I have had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Would never happen. That's when verse 35 comes in. This is the one I really just can't stand. And I think we should just take a pen. Why don't you just get your pen out right now? You got a permanent one? Let's just write in this verse. Let's just change it up a bit. Um, let's just say, okay, so that, that, that's why my Father in Heaven will do. You know, if, if you just, if, if it's convenient, go ahead and forgive your brother and sister. Let's just change it up a bit. It's not what it says. That's what my Father in Heaven will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. How many bricks do you have piled up? How many are you holding on to? God's forgiven all of them for you. How many are you holding on to? How much are you trying to hold on to? not doing any good and there's lots of motivation to unload so how do we deal with it if we know we need to deal with it then how do we do it okay real quick let's go through these five things how do we deal with it it starts with a look in the mirror if you're focused on what they did to you i promise you will never make it to forgiveness don't focus on what they did we can't be focused on whether or not they deserve it either because if we're focused on if they deserve it or not we're never going to make it to forgiveness the point of the story is to focus on what's been done for you. The debt's been paid. The ratio here was ridiculous. And we, we kind of already mentioned it, but if it was $150 million that, that, was, that was paid for you or the debt that was, was released, the release that you were released from was $150 million, you were just... You were just forgiven that debt and you went out and strangled some guy, it would have been about $16 worth. That's the ratio. Can you imagine? Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Matthew 7, turn back in your Bibles just a little bit. It says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use for judging is the standard you will be judged with. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? How do we start? We start by a look in the mirror. Let's start by looking at our own selves. Let's start by trying to figure out what's going on in our own hearts and minds. I love Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, especially 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. You know what? The world likes to carry bricks around. And they're all doing it. You can see it on the roads. It doesn't take much to see it. One person cuts somebody off and it's an all-out war, right? It's like, oh, everybody's just screaming around and yelling and hollering. It's instant. The vengeance comes out. It starts with looking in the mirror. Second, focus on what's been done for us, not to us. Just like I mentioned. On one hand, you, you look at what happened on the cross. On the other hand, you look at what they've done to you. Which one beats the other out? There's no comparison. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, forgave you. 
Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We can't beg for mercy. It was given. We have no right to ask for the king's patience. It was given to us freely. Focus on what's been done for us, not what's been done to us. There's really no comparison. And third, give mercy, not justice, or let God be God. Does that person deserve justice? No, they don't. They deserve vengeance. They deserve that sucker punch. They deserve to have that brick thrown back at them or whatever else you can come up with for payback. But since you are the mature one in the van, give mercy. Romans 12 and verse 19 says, I will repay. I will pay them back, says the Lord. I love this verse. I can't get much accomplished um, by throwing bricks. But you know what? God can. And he's got this. He's got this under control. We have to leave room for God's wrath. Proverbs 20 and verse 22 says, Don't say, I will get even for this is wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Proverbs 24, 29 says, And don't say, don't ever say, Now I can pay them back for what they've done to me. I'll get even with them. Now, that's not the way we need to live our lives. We need to give mercy, not justice. Let God be God. Fourth, in order to deal with it, when we just can't win, we need to walk away. You got that name, that person that has hurt you, right? You've got their name in your head. Look at what Romans chapter 12, look at the beginning or a little bit higher up, verse 17. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And then it goes in and says, you will leave room for God's wrath, leave room for his anger. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them, not decon. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. No, 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 not, not strychnine. It's in doing this, what happens? We heap burning coals of shame on their heads. I love the end of this passage, verse 21. It says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. If you can't clear it up, if you go to that person and forgive them and the relationship doesn't improve, simply walk away. Do all that you can. And when you have, leave room for God's wrath, obviously, and then love them anyway. I love that last part of that verse. Don't, that verse, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The creator who made the human spirit knows what's going on. There's a person, a sin, a situation that has happened, and it hurt you. If you hold on to it, it will eat you. It will eat you alive. It will consume you. It won't bother the other person because most of the time they don't even know about it. But it will completely tear you up. I don't care what blessing God's putting in your life. You won't be able to see it because you're trying to look over all of the bricks. They're blocking. How do we conquer evil by doing good? We do the right thing. We love them anyway. And number five, forgive like your life depended on it. Forgive like your life depends on it. Because you know what? It does. 
I can't get around this story. If, if you can't forgive, he's throwing you back in the slammer. Right? That's what, the, that's what it said. And all throughout Scripture, even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Every time it talks about forgiveness, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. That one's in Ephesians. We just read the, the Colossians passage, passage in 3 and verse 13. It says, But put up with each other and forgive anyone who does wrong just as Christ has forgiven you. One more. Go with me. You make it to heaven. You're standing there. And, and God, he brings, up, he brings up three of your worst enemies. Well, they're not going to be there. No, just, just, just go with me. So you're there, and, and it's time for God to judge you. And he brings up these three individuals. And he says, good news, my friend. He says, I'm going to forgive and judge you in the same way that you have forgiven and judged these three. How's this one going for you? How's this one going to turn out? Church, it's a scary picture, but that's the way it's written. I challenge you to unload some bricks. Take these hurts and these pains and these injustices that have been done to you and, and let them go. Don't hold on. Get rid of them. Push them aside so that you can move forward in your life and see the blessing that God wants to give. There's so much to look forward to in this life even. There's so much to look forward to in heaven, but we're not going to get past it if we've got walls built, if we're holding on to things that have been done to us. Family feuds can end, not because they deserve it, not because of what God did uh, is doing in their life or in your life, but, but because of what God did a long time ago on the cross. Jesus Christ forgave us a huge debt. Millions of dollars in debt. Millions of sin and a whole bunch of garbage that he forgave. That's on one hand. The other is what's been done to you. Let's let what God has done for you win in this situation. Thank you for your attention this morning. And I hope that there's been some things that we've shared that can bless your life. And um, you know what? There's a lot of hurt.